Hi, and welcome back to Reclaiming Reality. My name is Ben. We got Nick and Charles on the line. We are a podcast where three buddies look for some truth from a Christian perspective. Today, we are talking about the documentary, The American Gospel. This is our second recording of this. We we released one, um, it should be about two weeks ago. So, American Gospel in Christ Alone, Part 2. Uh, just a little feedback for you. Uh, some people have been asking us about there's a slight delay between when we answer each other's questions. If you're listening to the audio version, you won't know. We are not in the same room. We are actually spread almost as far apart as you could possibly be and still be in the continental United States of America. So there <laughs> is going to be a tiny audio delay. Please be patient with us. Um, but without further ado, let's get into this thing because when we hung up last week, we're all buddies, so we kept talking, and we realized, oh my gosh, there is a ton that we need to talk to. And on a, on a really personal note, we noticed that we have a tendency to want to be smart for the radio and for the podcast. And we, as soon as we hung up, we were like, yeah, man, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. And we went, you know what? We should re-record because half the point of us making this podcast is that we don't know everything, man. We absolutely don't. And we want to be as vulnerable and open as we can so that you can feel comfortable not knowing things too because you also don't know everything. So hopefully today... <laughs> I don't think they were ready yeah, for that one. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to be nicer to our audience in the future. Um, so hopefully today, we're going to try to be a little more vulnerable. So without further ado, again, Nick, kick us off, man. Why are we... Why are we talking about this again? What stones did we leave uncovered? Unturned over? You know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. Yeah, last time we left off, we hung up and we turned to each other and we were like, hey, we still have some things to talk about. And I think the first thing I wanted to recap that Ben pointed out really well last time that's important as we go through this discussion today is that The medium of communication and information in our society today, it plays a role in the biases, the things that we hear, what we take away from it, because I might get something from something that you get, you get something totally different from the same documentary, the same. uh, So the medium plays an important role. But from that medium, there are also ways that people typically manipulate to push their bias and one of the questions that i had at the end of last discussion was why does it seem like if you have seen the american gospel christ alone it seems like the producers have a bit of a bias against the miraculous and hear me out on this one Nick, nick when you say miraculous are you talking about charles and my jawline yeah, exactly. Okay. And Charles' biceps, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, your biceps, thank you. too. You guys, yeah, you just, wow. Anyway, um, <laughs> we have very similar but, builds, it's true. But it seemed to me a little bit like the producers had a bias against miracles and healing, and they kind of shoved that over to the spiritual side of Christianity and said, by default, we're kind of more the conservative side. So anyway, here's why I think this. Number one, they had a, a woman whose name I'm blanking on, I apologize, uh, who was unhealed 
in and was still suffering from a terminal illness as kind of their side as a big spokesperson in the documentary. Um, and they also spent a lot of time talking against Todd White and people who of the faith healing movement. So my first question to start off is why, I mean, I want to push into this. Why do they have such a bias against pure, uh, healing and miracles? So what do you guys think? Charles, why don't you start us then off? Then after you. <laughs> so to be clear, just for the audience, we are not going to spend our entire time critiquing how people made a documentary, but we do want to start out with that. We're, we're kind of using it as a springboard. Again, mm -hmm. we don't have this conversation planned, but we want to use this as a springboard to kind of get us in into bigger topics. Um, and I totally see your point, Nick. I, I thought I thought a similar thing. Um, it, it I don't know if manipulative is the right word because that implies intent. I, I honestly can't okay. tell on the documentarian side if it was manipulation to use the sick woman or if they were just trying to show the impacts. Um, I can honestly see it from either sides. And this is already we've hit one of those places where I have to throw up my hands and say, I don't know. I can definitely say that I don't love the medium. I think I talked about that a little bit on our on our last discussion about this documentary of instead of a long form dialogue with people, you're getting individual spliced clips, right? And you can kind of splice those together to make it seem how you want. And I'm not even imparting bad intent on the makers of the documentary. But honestly, man, to answer your question, I'm just going to have to throw up and I don't know that that's a tricky one for me. I think there's a part there's a part of me that immediately is reminded of a book that I recently read called Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. I know that's totally out to left field, but one of the parts that Malcolm Gladwell states is that we have a way of distrusting people hmm. when our expectation of how they should be and the way that they behave are different. Hmm. Right? So if you behave a certain way and you act in accordance to that, I'm more likely to believe you because in my mind, it lines up. So the really the point I'll make with that is that there's an expectation that is being set, right? And that makes you kind of think, you know, is Christianity really a collection of miracles? Is it a collection of rules? Is it just walking with God? Mm -hmm. And what does that mean, right? I think what the, in a weird way, in a kind of a conservative way, to use y'all's term, the American Gospel documentary sets the expectation of what Christianity should be in a mm. less flamboyant fashion, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and and to my and my immediate response to that is I really appreciate it, right? Because God's not a genie in a bottle, right? right. He's not just because you have and I've seen times where there have been miracles and people like are terminal for cancer and then they live 24 years. I've right. seen that in my own personal yeah. life. So there are miracles, um, but they're also not miracles. Right. And there's times where it's like, Oh, you're Bill Qureshi, for example, or the myriad of other people. They're like, bro, you got six weeks to live. And then six weeks later, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. And we, I think the problem is that oftentimes people are so quick to make snap judgments yeah based upon what we've learned, right? 
if you were immediately brought into a, a maybe more charismatic faith where it's like someone's getting healed today and then that's all you know and then that never happens again you end up walking away from the faith yeah conversely if it's like mm-hmm. hey you know i was born in a more liturgical by the book you know not high expectations faith and people are you know speaking in tongues and you know doing the hokey pokey then you it also loses credibility right charles that brings up a really interesting side of this that i haven't thought much about actually and that's That's kind of because i just came up with all that (laughs) uh kind of like what are our expectations when it comes to miracles because there's we, we probably all know this there's two sides of our perception of miracles within the Christian faith. There's the cessationists and the continuists. And the cessationists think miracles have ceased, right? Cessationists. Um, They kind of phased out with the apostles. That was kind of a thing given directly to the apostles. And the continuists are going to say, no, miracles are alive and still happening, even though they are less frequent. Um, And how we approach miracles, and Nick and I were talking a little bit about Todd White in our last conversation, kind of going back and forth on that. And that is something that I've heard listening to Todd White over and over is, I just know what's going to happen. And that's also something you see in the Bible. He, with faith of a mustard seed, can see mountains moved. And yeah, yeah, that's honestly, that's another thing. I guess I'm just going to be pleading ignorant this whole podcast. That's another thing that I really, (laughs) that I really struggle with is how do I approach miracles because I am a continuist. I, I, I believe that I have seen miraculous things that God has done that are beyond explanations within the natural world. Therefore, mm. now what? Like when, when I approach someone and pray for healing, do I pray this timid prayer of like, Lord, please heal this dude. Like if it's your will, but if not, that's totally fine. But like, if it is, that'd be dope. Like, is that, is that how I pray for somebody? Or do I pray like, in the name of Jesus, get healed right now. And then it's like, I don't know. Should I have that confidence or should I have the humility? Is there a line? Am I drawing a false binary here, guys? I don't know. Child. I've heard that argument. I, I've heard that both ways. I'm, I'm not, I don't mean to cut you off, Nick. No, no, good. Um, you're good. But like, if you pray in such a way that's like, you know what? And I have to do in this voice. I'm not making fun of you. I'm sorry. You know what? If if, if you want to, you learn, that'd be great. But if you don't, that's fine too. Does that not just sound like a sheep? It just it's it's not. Then you then someone would say you're unfaithful. Yeah. In that yeah. case. But if you say I command you to grow up, I might have clipped a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> I command you to to be healed in the name of Jesus. Then like someone's gonna say that you're just. Because they're, they're going to say you're over the top and you're now stepping out of line yeah. for how you talk to God, you know? Yeah. Um, it's tough, man. I struggle with that a lot because the way I talk to God, my parents do not approve of it at all. But I also approve of it because I feel like that's me, me being more vulnerable Yeah. Um, with God, right? And that's – there's not an answer to that. <laughs> I don't know what happens between you and Jesus. I don't. I know what happens between me and Jesus, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, but that's my walk and it's part of it. Right. Yeah. And then you have, if that's the case, then you have a lot of different perceptions that all play differently. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and I'm stuck right there. So. Yeah. I just, Charles, I think you bring up a good point. I, there's not really an answer to, I mean, there, okay. 
I don't think there's a principled answer as much as we might think that there is. Mm. There is an answer, but I think that the, the tension is sometimes the answer. You know, like, where do we go in the tension of figuring this out? I'll give you an example. Uh, the other day I was at the park. I love the park around here. It's, it's awesome. There's always a ton of people out there, even during when COVID spiked. We're wearing masks. Don't worry for all of those who are um, about to... Anyway, um, masks are cool, but... So I'm, I'm at this park, and uh, <laughs> that was my weak, weak attempt at a recovery. Um, I'm at this park, and I, I was there for the purpose of spending time with Jesus. And I bring my Bible, and I'm like, all right, it's been rough. I need to get some time alone with the Lord. And I start, I sit down, I'm like overlooking the park because I'm on a hillside. And, I, and I'm like, immediately the question pops into my head, why is my life... Why does my life look different than Todd White's life? Because we had been thinking about this stuff. Um, and I start thinking, oh, that's because I just I have to go just pray for everybody at this park, right? And I'm like, well, that's that's really overwhelming because there's a lot of people here. And, and COVID. And COVID, right. Yeah, that changes things. So yeah. I'm asking the Lord and I'm like, God, what, what am I supposed to do with this? And I, I go mm. to leave the park and I actually see a woman that I had talked to months before. She happens to be there. And I ran into her and we start talking about Jesus for like the next hour. Um, and I just thought it was so cool because God sees your heart. He, he sees our hearts. He sees Amen. us wanting to serve him. Um, and, I, and I realized going through the American gospel, I wrote down a couple questions and tensions that people face. And one of those was, do I have enough faith? Because that's something that the word of faith people would say, you're not going to be healed unless you have enough faith. And I don't want to remove the conversation too much from where we were, but I do want to say I realized that I, I wrestled with a lot of these questions that are really throwing people off. And I'm glad mm -hmm. that they highlight them in the documentary, but I, I forgot that I wrestled with them. Yeah. And so how do you overcome them? I think we're going to bring it back to the baseline and say that, that you have to have a relationship with the Lord yourself and, and listen. And we're all growing in this too. We don't know how often we should be praying for miracles and that kind of stuff. But I think that's, that's the tension of it. And that's the exciting thing that the miraculous brings out is that there is a lot of uncertainty because mm. we are not in control of it, right? So anyway, I just wanted to note that and put a plug in. If you don't read your Bible, read your Bible. Yeah. If you don't ask Jesus about it, ask him about it and because that's he'll tell you. Yeah, and that's kind of that, I like you're kind of going into that healthy balance of spirit and truth. You know, there has to be that living, breathing, active, alive part of the Holy Spirit that we that we kind of live with and experience. Yeah. And then also what you said right there at the end, you also need to read your Bible and get your healthy dose of truth because you can get too off into the spirit and then you kind of end up doing your own thing and you can get too off into the truth and you never experience what it's like to be in the presence of God. Nick, I, mm -hmm. forgive me if this is a little too vulnerable to share, but goodness, you have spoken into my life 10,000 times. Um, but I remember one time I got to speak into yours was when you were, it, it was our senior or junior year of college and you had been listening to a lot of Todd White and we were talking about it and he goes, man, I, I just... I need to do this like Todd White and I need to do this like Todd White. And I just go, homie, no, like you need, you need to do what Jesus did. 
Like Jesus yeah. has a mission for you and it's not Todd White's mission. Todd White has a mission, but like your mission is different than him, bro. And you need to pursue what God has for you and not just try to copy what an amazing spiritual person did. And I do that. Like Francis Chan's probably my guy in terms of that. Like I see how he prays and how he speaks and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I want to be like Francis Chan. But at the end of the day, I should partially want to be like Francis Chan, right? Like I should yeah. want to take the good parts from him, but I also need to recognize, hey, he's not perfect and I need to figure out where he's not perfect and work on that, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, that kind of leads us into something also on this topic of when, when I was talking about spirit and truth, that also kind of shows in this documentary of church structure in terms of hyper charismatic movement and the hyper conservative movement, which really interesting distinctions. And, you know, if, if there's a perfect line between the two, I'd say this one's probably just a little bit over definitely on the conservative side, but not, not insanely far. Like they don't, come at the normal charismatic movement. I would say they kind of only come at the hyper charismatic mm -hmm. movement. Um, this might be too broad for this conversation, guys, but I know. What do you guys think about that? What do you guys think about? I know we we all believe that there's a balance between the two, but what's more prevalent in America today? And yeah, what are your takes on the two different sides? I actually have a question. And it might, it might derail it, but it, it might be actually spot on to what you're saying. And I got it really from Nick, and I think you elaborated on it just enough. Is The question is, when you're talking about miracles, or charismatic, or liturgical, or whatever, and we talk about miracles happening, are we looking for the miracle because it's novel, or are we looking for the miracle because it's God? Amen. You know? Wow. Because if you think about like taking let's take it back to Jesus's day. We had 12 people who actually knew who he was like intimately. And you had crowds looking for miracles, right? And is that really is that the same thing that we're mm. talking about now? And if we're I talking like that. about that, right? If we're talking about where we where are we landing? Where are we honestly landing if we look at ourselves in the mirror? And the churches today are they're churches that are literally full of people looking for a show. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And then maybe they're just looking for something to believe in. And then there's, I guess, the opposite end of that is like, listen, it's cut and dry. And sometimes, like, the miracle is the doctor, you know? So, Charles, what's that balance? Uh -huh. So, now we know the negative of one side of how not to go to church. And on the other side, you might just go to church to get a very rigid set of rules to live your life by, right? That would probably be the negative of the other side right. of the hyper-conservative sect. What do you, I don't know, man, what do you think is kind of like the mentality of how we ought to go to church? I, I don't know if that's too broad, but go for it. <laughs> I think, I think there's part of the church that, and this is, this is almost kind of off the cuff. I would liken it to a marriage, hmm. right? You have the marriage with the person that is completely loveless and dry, but you have, you know, your bills are met and, you know, there's at least someone that laying next to you every night, <clears throat> just laying. Um, and then there's <laughs> the other, other end of that, right? Where it's like, you find this person that you are just madly passionate about, but you're arguing six days out of the week yeah. and that's seven days amazing. Yeah. Which I, that might be more than accurate actually with, 
the church, right? And I don't think either one is honestly healthy. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who are hearing that, the dry one is like, we are just by the page and on the book, like, person. And then, you know, the crazy, kooky one, which so many girls come to mind, <laughs> um, would be the over-charismatic one, right? But, like, yeah. you don't want somebody who necessarily is a raging, like, I want to say maniac, but... Or you don't want somebody who's just dry. You want someone who is with you authentically through the highs and the lows. Absolutely. Someone who's a partnership with. And I think that still stands in the church. And I think that I think the church is more than just standing next to somebody. I think it's more than having the spirit move you to the point of tears. I think it's more than academically arriving at an answer. Hmm. I think it's something about being known and being united with God. Yeah, man. Maybe I, that's I love that. And I would keep that relationship metaphor going into the Trinity of <laughs> like, you better have a relationship with God, the father. And what does our relationship most of the time look like with the, the father? It is, ah, <laughs> it is on my face. It is fear. It is terror. It is whatever you say. You're really big. Oh my gosh. And what is our yeah. relationship with the Holy spirit? It's, I, romantic is a word that I don't think is unreasonable to use. It is so loving. <laughs> You're ridiculous. It is so loving and it is affectionate. And then our relationship with Jesus is so companionate. It's kind of that mix, I guess, where Jesus was both God and man. So kind of literally the mix. That's cool. So yeah, man, I love that metaphor of relationship. But I, I want to point out one thing here in the metaphor of relationship, what it's, what it's not is, this is going to sound so heretical, it's not controlling. So, hmm. and what I mean by that is this, not that God doesn't control us, because Paul simply, like, I mean, I just want to lay that out there. Like Paul said, the love of God constrains me, like it controls me. It, it's why I do what I do. Um, but on our end, and I think that they pointed this pointed out this well in the documentary, without really saying it explicitly, is that we don't control the Holy Spirit. We don't mm. hold him back. We're told not to hold him back, right? If he, if he, he, by the way, if you're a Christian, he lives inside of you. He will teach you. It says in 1 John that we have the anointing from God to be able to learn from the Holy Spirit and mm -hmm. that we actually have no need for anyone to teach us. Now, is there a benefit to be in communion? Are there people with the gifts of teaching that we should listen to and be, you know, partner with absolutely get plugged into church um and people who are following after jesus but scripture says the holy spirit will guide us into truth so that's why it starts with the relationship piece but what we don't do is i don't control the holy spirit and say i am gonna go bestow healing everywhere and just ah holy spirit you know because that you see people in the in the charismatic movement do that i yeah. mean I've seen hilarious clips, unfortunately, of of pretty eminent speakers who are like like lightning zapping the crowd and they just fall over and you're just like, what is that? You know, that's like not, maybe that's not the Holy Spirit. I don't think it is. It's a Star Wars movie. Uh, yeah, like Star Wars. <laughs> they just get blown over. It's pretty crazy. Um, but all this to say, if you think that while you have the Holy Spirit. I broke Charles. <laughs> Serious I'm sorry, face. Nick. <laughs> if you think that you 
So you, we serve and we partner with the Holy Spirit, and He brings our work into fruition. Um, I don't channel some inner power that's just this thing that I can just take mm. control of and then use it to exploit my own will. I, that's if if that's your view of God, then you don't have a right relationship with Him. So yeah, man, and that's something we saw Kenneth Copeland. I think they showed this part in the documentary. I I've watched some of him. On, just like on YouTube and stuff, but I think they showed that in the documentary of Kenneth Copeland basically saying, since you are of the same nature of God, you are tiny gods. And yeah. it's kind of like, oh, ah, that starts getting gross because is the relationship between the divinity in our souls and the divinity of God confusing and a little messy? Sure. Are we of the same nature of like God the Father? No. That's absolutely absurd. And there's nothing in scripture that backs that up. And it just, it, it kind of comes back to, I think kind of the main point of the documentary is modern Christianity is just trying to make everything about us, you know? Yeah. 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 You're a little God. In the words of, sorry, go ahead. I'm not your finish. Uh, no, just you're a little God. You're special. The gospel is about you, which I think Matt Chandler did such a good job of just kind of annihilating that in the documentary and he kind of was you know matt chandler gets so passionate and at one point he just yells out the gospel isn't about you and i just love that because no it's freaking not it is about god and it is for us and that that was one of my favorite parts of the documentary was just like oh my gosh that that couldn't be more needed in our culture right now because we think everything is about us because everything in our lives revolve around us like that's the that's the negative side of individualism, right? Is now we are the center of the universe. So we have to be so careful with our divinity because if we take ooh, if we take the divinity of ourselves and we re- erase God from that equation, now we are our own divine. Now we are the most divine mm. thing in existence. So we whenever we mm. talk about our own divinity, it must be in relation to the Godhead and say, yeah. the only thing special about me is the identity given to me by God. And when we miss that, and our culture has missed that, our culture still accepts that we are all divine, but it has abandoned why. Hmm. Wow. In the words of Kendrick Lamar, sit down, be <laughs> humble. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right, Ben. And I think that's part of the reason I have like I have serious issues with a lot of world religions hmm. because anything I remember I'm taking this way back to when Charles had a girlfriend, like seven exes ago. Um <laughs> no, you're not seven. But I was dating this girl and she was an atheist, actually. Beautiful. Wonderful girl. She's just an atheist. Um, and she said that she had read the Satanic Bible. And what she had told me is she summed it up in three words. Do it yourself. Hmm. And the reason I bring that up is it seems like the majority of world religions, with the exception of Christianity, are all about earning your way back to God, right? 100%. You need, yeah. you need to get connected to God and you have to do it yourself. And it is a gap that can only be crossed by God, ultimately, right? And to say that I can do this on my own or I can do that impossible thing that only God can do is to say I can do what God can do. 
And we just don't have that. We yeah. don't. And that's a heretical. Yeah. It is. A, we're just going to throw around the word heretical today a bunch. It's just a lie. You're not God. You can't do it. Sit down. Be humble. Tie shoes and eat SpaghettiOs. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah. That is so true. And it gets so... This is where it gets tricky, guys. Because yeah. how the heck do we live now? We know that we are not like God. We know that we... I shouldn't even say that, right? Because Genesis does say that we are like God. He has made us like him in, in certain image. ways, though, right? Yeah, in But his for image. the purpose of... He looks like this. Yeah. All we do is dimly reflect something really awesome. Um, so since we dimly reflect something really awesome, I'm kind of going back to how do we approach miracles? How do we approach miraculous things? Um, what should our attitude be when we are praying for a sick person what do you guys think i know i'm kind of going back but i think it it's kind of important and it's fine if we don't come up with an answer but maybe I, even if the answer is just we don't know yeah um i think i think the fun part about this is that we you know when we dig into the scriptures we can learn how to better approach this because these things happened, right? Like Peter healed the guy at the gate. Jesus did so many miracles. Like they were an express part of his ministry, right? I mean, that that wasn't, and even when his disciples, when he sent the 12 out and, or actually was it, it was more than 12, wasn't it? It was like 144. It was some number 72, something like that. I apologize, I'm not sure, but he sends a bunch of people out and they do a bunch of miracles and they go and they proclaim the gospel essentially to the people all over the place and they come back to Jesus and they're like, yo, we got to like cast out demons and people got healed and this was crazy. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's cool. Like, don't <laughs> rejoice that you're, that you just oh, healed a yeah. bunch of people and stuff. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's so good. AKA, dude. rejoice that you're in relationship with the Father. Because Jesus said, I don't do anything on my own initiative. So, Nick, why am I trying to go do this on my own initiative? So good. So, if God is trying to get me to step out, which I honestly, to be transparent, He is. Like, I, I do want to get better at this sharing my faith and going to pray for miracles. But just because somebody's arm is broken doesn't mean I'm obligated to go pray for them, you know? Yeah. And I and I want to address that because it seems like a little bit of a, a, a hindrance, like a stumbling block in our Absolutely. way, because it takes, we, we want to serve the Lord, but you have to realize that God wants you to know the truth mm. and he wants you to be empowered to serve him and he has equipped you to serve him. So you have to know your father first in order to like go do his will, right? So it starts with, Ben, like it starts with being in right relationship with him and believing his word and then freaking take chances, man, because, or lady, because here's the thing, like (laughs) if God is God, he can do anything, right? So why not ask him? Hmm. I like that. Like miracles, healing somebody is like, that's just a facet of what God could do if he really is God. And yet that's the part that we say God is limited to this box of healing people. But that's not even what he's limited to. I mean, he can literally change the fabric of the cosmos right in front of your eyes. Like, so I think our sights of God are just too small. 
Mm. Mm. Charles, you want to jump in on that before we move on? Yeah, this guy, as you know, I'm like the th- like the curveball guy of the three of us, and I always pull it out and bring it right back in. But I remember getting to the end of the documentary, and it was talking about suffering and how we don't talk about suffering a lot in the American church. And I was thinking kind of with your whole miracle bit, when I saw the video the first time, I let my mind go to the worst possible thing I could imagining happening in my life. Sheesh, man. And just thinking about it. That's yeah, hard. I was thinking about it, and I was like, God, if this happened tomorrow, which it really could have happened, Ooh. thank God it didn't, but and I was like, God, if this happened tomorrow, do I have the faith to love you through it? Mm. And it's kind of, it's a different paradigm if you think about it, honestly, right? So if the worst possible thing you imagine happened tomorrow, will you still hold on to God? And if you hold on and you apply that to the same concept, right? So like, God, I'm praying for this miracle, but if this miracle doesn't come, will I still hold on to you? Mm. You know? And I think it becomes very easy to posture your heart in this, what we do it to each other all the time, transactional frame yeah. where it's like, you did this to me, I do this to you. You slap me, I slap you back. Yeah. Right? But God's not like that, you know? Sometimes he, God bless your soul, child. Thank you. Hallelujah. Sometimes he gives to those who don't deserve it. Mm. And sometimes he brings suffering to those who don't deserve it. Right. If you cannot see, Charles is doing air quotes right now. Bad people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good things happen to bad people. Bad people. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. And do I have the faith, the love, the connection, the commitment to God to love him in spite of his actions that I cannot control? Mm. It really comes down to, am I in a position to let God lead my life? Yeah. Yeah, man, that's... If I don't see a miracle. One of the more disturbing parts of the documentary to me Um they show a video of, I think his name is Bill Johnson. It's it's Bill something, the pastor that, I think it's the, the yeah. lead pastor of Bethel. Um, and Like Bill, Brian, Jen, they're all Johnsons. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. And he said Same church. something to the tune of, I refuse to develop a theology which allows for suffering. And right. gro- that's disgusting as far as I'm concerned. It's so gross because people's moms die of cancer and people's daughters die and their sons die. I mean, we're in the profession that we happen to be in. People tend to pass away. And and this isn't something uncommon. Not everyone gets healed of cancer. Like, look at the fall. Look at Adam and Eve. You refuse to allow suffering. What do you think happened after they ate of the fruit which they were not supposed to eat of? I... My pastor actually sits down with me once a week because he's nice and I'm stupid. And I I mentioned that to him and his response was, you actually have to develop a theology of suffering or else you can't progress anywhere in the Christian walk. True. Because you have Mm -hmm. to be able to look at the world around you. And I think this is kind of why we saw... I mean, we, we're all 90s kids. We There was kind of this 90s, early 2000s 
sect of Christianity, which was kind of very protection oriented instead of preparatory parenting styles. You know, it was kind of like, let's protect our kids from the big bad world instead of let's prepare our children for the big bad world. I think I saw some, I moved around a lot and I would sometimes see that in in the different Christian groups where I moved to. And it's just atrocious, man. The world's nasty. Not everyone gets healed because we live in a terrible fallen world, but that doesn't mean that God's not good. Yeah. That doesn't mean that he doesn't come through. I And I talk about in my latest uh, solo video, um, there's kind of a popular branch of psychology. It's not very popular, but it's developing right now that kind of says the way you justify your existence is you take on as much responsibility as possible. And to some degree, that's really good. And to some degree, it's very shallow. It's because you can't. You can't justify your own existence. You're not going to be good enough. You're not going to be great enough. You can't make the world so good as to justify the pain. You need something bigger and badder than you than that. God bless you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, any guys, wanna that actually, Charles? That brings up a thought. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to move on just yet. Right. So, is the miracle? And this may be a question because we were talking about how we address miracles in our church, right? Um. Then how is a miracle just deliverance from the suffering? Have you ever thought about that? You know, like say Miss Mabel has cancer, mm. and you pray for a miracle that she be healed. Right, maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe it does, you know. But when I think of a miracle, I'm thinking about parting the Red Sea. I'm talking about taking down giants. Yeah. I'm talking about fire raining down from God. None of those miracles, and Alleviated this might be on my yeah. very small. Yeah, none of them. They didn't. They just progressed the story from a sticking point forward, right? So are we now using our definition of miracles to justify the lack of suffering? Mm. I see what you mean. I'm done. Yeah, that's definitely something to be careful about. I think you said that really well, though. I honestly don't even have much to add. Oh, okay. Well, you were about to make a point. We're about to move on to another point. Oh, no, yeah. I was just going to, since we've been talking about miracles and we've been kind of skirting around Todd White the whole talk, I thought maybe we should, we got like 12 minutes-ish left. So thought maybe we should hit a little bit of, Todd White, not because Todd White is anything magical, but because he, again, is a springboard into bigger, deeper conversations. And I think I think the big question that we asked ourselves when we hung up on the last call is, at what point is someone a false teacher? Right? Because you have to draw that binary at some point. At some point, you have to say, hey, do not listen to this guy. He is a false teacher teaching false doctrine. And I, what one thing I really didn't like about the documentary is I think they took people like Stephen Furtick. I'm not really a Stephen Furtick fan, but I definitely would not classify him as a false teacher. Does he have flaws? Does he have things that I wish he didn't do? Absolutely. But doctrinally, would not classify him as a false teacher. And when you just take a random, I don't know, five-second clip, and maybe not even sometimes, and throw that in a documentary where he's just listed with all these other prosperity teachers, it makes him seem like a false teacher. And that kind of seems like what they were driving at. And I think we kind of need to discuss amongst ourselves mm -hmm. what makes someone a false teacher 
on you, Nick. Yeah, um, if you haven't read the book of First John, please read it. It's awesome. Is that uh, in the Bible? I think it, it is in the Bible. Oh, okay. Cool. Yes. Um, thank you. So it was written by the disciple and apostle John. Um, it's incredible. Like he he kind of lays this out actually for us. Like if somebody confesses, you know, the Lord Jesus, like and basically has a life of love that that backs that up then they're the real thing like you can't do you can't do the real thing and be a fake thing and i'm not talking about saying the right thing because i want to draw a distinction there because a lot of people could say they know jesus and a lot of these actually there was a documentary that ben recommended to me and charles last time after we hung up uh called miracles for sale i'm so glad we're talking about this by Darren Brown. If you haven't watched it, it's really enlightening on the word of faith movement, especially that in America. And, and how sorry to keep interrupting us. you. It's also free on YouTube for anyone listening. Yeah, check it out. Look it up. Miracles for Sale by Darren Brown. Um, Shameless plug. There's my plug. Anyway, where was I going with that? Oh, there are a lot of people who would say, in Jesus' name, be healed, and then through a surge of adrenaline, people would be fake healed, and they would walk away pretty much the same, but not realize it till later on. Um, so all that to say, you can say one thing, but if your life is being renewed, if you're being taught by God to think and live differently, you're going to do, you're going to produce the right things. You're going to be a tree that actually produces, like Jesus even said this, a tree produces fruit after its own kind, right? Um, I don't want to expound too much into that because it makes sense that you're not going to find bananas in a pear tree. So the question then kind of becomes, I think, Ben, is how do we analyze the fruit? Like how do we know Hmm. that the pear is actually a pear and not a banana? Um, How do we know that what they're doing is actually righteousness or the works of God versus not? Um, I I really think that that comes down to individual discernment. I want to bring it back. Mm. If you haven't gotten this point already, this is the main point of what I'm saying today. It comes back to your relationship with Jesus. Uh, If you've learned to see what he thinks, then you'll be able to identify these things. Um, Does that answer the question, or do you want to expound a little bit more on that? Charles, you look like you're itching to say something. You go, buddy. I am. So there is a passage. I want to say it's somewhere around Acts seventeen twenty one. It's somewhere around there um, where they're talking about these Jews from a place called Berea. We call them Bereans. Right. And they were more noble than the rest of the Jews because they took everything that the apostle would say and they would run it back through scriptures. Mm. All right. Dude, let's be honest. Jesus was here like 2000 years ago. We argue about everything between each other. Like, we have a million different, like, translations of the Bible. There are going to be some errors, period, dot. I'm going to say stuff that's wrong. Sorry to my viewing audience and my brothers. I'm going to say some stuff that's wrong. I encourage everyone to not only check my stuff, but everybody's stuff against the words of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Go back and read it, period. Right? Because we're going to mess up. And I think all of these pastors do things where they mess up. I think they do, right? But then that's where there's like that truth thing where it comes back, right? Hey, that was really snaky, and that's not where you talk about truth. But um, where does grace come into that? 
if you know the person's heart is postured not to make a dollar, but to bring you the gospel, Amen. I'm gonna I'm gonna be more receiving of what they have to say. But you, I'm still gonna check it. Yeah. And I'm still gonna run it back through scripture, right? But if I see immediately like this man's gonna blow coronavirus away, then <laughs> I'm automatically skeptical, and I will be more skeptical five months later when there's still coronavirus yeah. and it's on the rise. Y'all, that not video calling off anybody who might be named Kenneth. Coronavirus <laughs> still makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no charles that's something that's really cl- about what i was thinking too is nick i do agree with you but i think we need to temper that a little bit with the word you know because it is we do recognize yeah. teachers through our personal relationship with jesus and kind of knowing as we've walked with the lord but the kind of definitive way i guess we do it is in, in my opinion, the Bible, it is the standard of truth. Cause if someone is saying untruth, you have to show him how, what they're saying isn't true. And is there room for God to speak to us on an individual basis? Of course there is, but I, yeah, I think we need to use the Bible to find that line of where a false teacher begins. Because Nick, the question I had for you is you said that we, if someone professes the name of Jesus is kind of the test, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, which Jesus? Because I would argue that Kenneth Copeland and me do not worship the same Jesus. Because if the Jesus yeah. that Kenneth Copeland <clears throat> worships is one that I basically am the same as, I'm not very interested. This is my problem with Mormonism. Is because Mormonism essentially says eventually we can attain the status of Jesus, right? And I look at I my... I love Mormon people, but... Sorry? Just saying, I still love Mormon people. Oh, yeah, I dude. Them. They're my best friends. We all have great Mormon friends. I adore them. And I'm not coming at Mormon people. Yeah. I'm, it's the doctrine, right? Um, no, we're just keeping it real. You know what I'm saying? Always. We still love you. Absolutely, man. But we love you enough to tell the truth. So, yeah, man, that's, that's where going. I get a little hung up because I totally agree with your argument. But it leaves me wondering which Jesus and how do we define that Jesus? You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a passage in Hebrews. I want to say in the book of Hebrews in the Bible, chapter... Uh, I can't remember. Uh, it's I think it's 12, but I could be wrong. Um, it says that there are people who, by discernment, have their senses trained to discern both good and evil. I thought that was really incredible, because what cool. is their training tool? Well, their training tool is Second um, Timothy three fifteen and 16, where Paul says... That the word of God is profitable for training, for correction, for proof. It literally says training in righteousness. You're righteousness so right. being the works of God. So not only does this thing called the Bible, called the word of God, not only is it a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, like David, King David said in Psalm 119, but it's also a training tool mm. for me to be able to discern what is good and what is evil. So as I go forward, I agree with you, Ben, like we use the word as a training tool and as a guide. And I want to, and I kind of want to end with this part that God can use people of all different like backgrounds to speak to us. He can use, I mean, Jesus said like, if the people didn't cry out, the rocks would. Mm. So God can Mm. use even, this is also going to sound radical, but he can use unbelievers to sometimes say something that will trigger us, but it's meant, but what that connection, that connection that happens is by the Holy Spirit. 
So as I learn to listen for God's voice in the interactions that I go through every day in reading his word, I can actually learn to hear from him outside of my only one hour in the morning. So I, I live in relationship with God that goes on throughout the day that is based and rooted in the word by the interpretation and and help of the Holy Spirit, but then a relationship that carries with me through the whole rest of the day. Mm. I absolutely love that. Thank you. Okay, I think that's a great place to wrap up too, man. That Charles, you good with that? All right, man. He nailed it on the head. Absolutely. Guys, if you're taking anything away from today... Take away that you need to have your own personal relationship with Jesus, and you need to continually check that with the Word. I love, uh, my old pastor taught me uh, PB&J, prayer, Bible, journal, every single morning. Pray about your day, read your Bible, and journal about about whatever God show you so that you can take it away um, and come back and learn it again later because we're dumb and forget stuff. Guys, we are reclaiming reality. Three buds looking for some truth in a backwards world from a Christian perspective. We are Nick, Charles, and Ben. Sometimes we call ourselves Charrican. Enjoy that, people. You can find us on email at Chicken Still Works at ReclaimingRealityPodcast at gmail.com. We're now on the social medias or Sash Meads. You can just Google around and see if you can make that happen. We love you. We'll see you next time for a discussion on something we haven't decided about yet. Have a great day. <laughs>